Howdy, folks. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, Katie and I are going to be talking about masculinity. What should it look like and what should it not look like? In particular, Christian masculinity, godly masculinity, godly manhood. Is there a template that we can model our lives after as men? Or is it vague? Is it subjective? Is it to each his own? We're going to be discussing that today. Folks, I do want to let you know that we are really grateful for each and every one of you. Katie and I mentioned this last week, but I'm going to mention it again. All of the ratings and the reviews that you've left on iTunes means so much to both Katie and myself, and it's also really helped grow the podcast. So thank you so much. We cannot be happier with uh, with doing this podcast. We love doing it, and we're grateful that you are supporting us in, in various ways. So thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. The Now That We're a Family Podcast. Okay, so before we dive into today's episode, I have to do a little ad roll here and let you guys know that the Growth Initiative is open for enrollment. This is a six-week live program for men. And so it's not something that is evergreen like our other programs where you can enroll at any time. Elisha ran it two times last year. Um, We're doing it right off the bat here in the new year. I don't know when it's going to open up again. And so there's going to be a link in the description to go enroll. If you have questions, feel free to email us. And um, yeah, so we're looking forward to that. But I, I wanted to make sure to get that out to you guys because it is time sensitive. If you're listening to this episode, you know, weeks from now, and clearly this call to action is not important to you. There will still be a link below in the description box for where you can sign up for the next enrollment um, to get on the wait list for that. So there's something for everybody. <laughs> now we get to get into talking about masculinity. Excited? I am. And you seem more excited than I do, though. Like you've been giddy about this episode for a couple of weeks now. (laughs) I think it's because we've had so many conversations about this and today's going to be a conversation. Clearly you guys are all here for my opinion on masculinity. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, um, and so I think you just have some really good things to share. So I'm excited for you to share them outside of our four walls, no pressure or anything. Well, I do feel the pressure. I think it's kind of impossible to not feel the pressure in my mind, if if you're a man talking about masculinity in any context, like I feel like you're putting yourself under more scrutiny. And so I just want to applaud myself for being willing to put myself <laughs> out here like this. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my first question for you is how long did it take you to pick your outfit for this podcast? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's a fair question because I will say that I spent more time thinking about what I was going to wear in, t- for today's episode than I ever have for any other podcast. And which is kind of silly because it's, I mean, not even that many people see me, what I'm wearing. Most, you know, people are just going to be listening to me, but it's still, I was really self-conscious about it. I changed my shirt way too many times. <laughs> I feel like flannels too on the nose. <laughs> yeah, I, We're just laughing about it because usually we just like put on clothes and come out here. Don't give it any thought. Uh, but at last, she's like, I feel like if I'm talking about masculinity, people are going to be like, who is this guy talking about masculinity? Like, do I look masculine enough? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I put on. Yeah, I had that flannel that was like, that's like an awesome, very lumberjack looking flannel that I actually got for my grandpa. 
who was a logger. And so it's very authentic, but yeah, I was like, this is way too, like you said, on the nose. <laughs> like you're trying too hard. Yeah. Okay. So what triggered this most recent pursuit of masculinity? Yeah, that's a good question because I think I alluded to this last week. The conversation around Christian masculinity, I feel like has been in around my orbit, at least since as long as I can remember. I can remember going to men's conferences with my dad when I was very young, even family conferences that we would go to as a family. Christian masculinity was always a topic at, at these, and they would often use the vernacular. They'd use language talking about the crisis in the church in regards to masculinity and how it's kind of like this, like it's an issue. It's something that needs fixed. And and so I was, I've been around it since as long as I can remember being a Christian, and it wasn't that ever that like pertinent to me, it felt like, you know, being a young boy and, and then even being a young, and that's, that's probably part of the problem. You know, if there is continuing to be a, a, a masculinity crisis in the church is probably because guys like me didn't see it as a pertinent issue, you know, growing up. Um, and then as time went on and I would keep hearing references to it, I always thought it was ironic that there was like, there would, there would be this agreement that there's a masculine crisis but then at least in evangelicalism, you know, and like in the more Protestant traditions of Christianity, nobody was really willing to be like, okay, but this is the standard. This is what a Christian man should be in a practical way. And and I'm not going to sit here today and tell you what that's going to look like, you know, X, Y, and Z, what a, what a Christian man should look like. But I thought that was interesting. And, and, and the few people that maybe would say this is what a man should be, I felt like, it was very subjective. And, and so they, therefore they would lose credibility quickly because it would either be very legalistic and based off of like their own preferences. Are you saying like what hobbies, like is kind of more subjective, right? Based off of hobbies, what you do for work, what you look like, stuff like that. Sure. Or? There's always subjectivity in that, but I'd say even more specific, I'd say like, yeah, like should you make a lot of money? Should you not make money? Should you be, should, should you lead your wife in a way and your family in a way that you're the sole provider of your home? Mm -hmm. Should you lift weights or should you not lift weights? You know, should you be healthy or not healthy? Should you watch football on Sunday or not watch football on Sunday? And, uh, I think those are really good things to talk about because it's like this, it's the stuff that we do in life. Those are, those are real practical ramifications. Um, However, I, f I felt like there was a lack of conclusion when those things would be talked about. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. And so I, I went on with my life, and it really wasn't, I think, until having sons that I really started caring about uh, Christian masculinity and, and mm -hmm. what that looked like. And as time's gone on, and I've wanted to put my finger on like leading my boys in a, and leading my sons in a godly way, it's become more and more difficult for me, probably because I care more, to find role models or to find um, teaching that is both biblically sound and practical. I feel like I could find practical teachings that, as I already alluded to, were subjective or legalistic or kind of like self-help prosperity type teachings. And then anything that was theologically rich refrained from getting practical at all. Does that make sense? And then the big voices of our generation that are speaking to masculinity now are mainly secular. Yes. So and that's that actually, too. that's actually a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause you asked like what kind of 
triggered this most recent pursuit. And I think it was kind of like this self-realization in my, in, in me that I had when a, f- a few months back, I was feeling very spiritually vibrant, I would say, like just loving God's word, listening to amazing teaching, um, reading great Christian literature. We loved our church. We were part of, you know, a small group and felt so rich in that area. And I came to a point where I was like, man, I am, I need to get my life together. Like I was feeling spiritually thriving and then like I was thriving spiritually. And then in regards to my practical life, like getting up and having a good, you know, morning routine, exercising my body, getting on a better savings plan with you, like financially, um, growing our businesses, um, just kind of bettering myself and my skills, like becoming more capable as a man in regards to even, you know, I talked about first aid application, you know, cause there's been a handful of times where I've felt very helpless and incapable of helping you or the kiddos when first aid was required. And I thought, well, I should better myself in these areas. And so when I kind of felt compelled to grow in these areas, I immediately went away from Christian voices and went to secular voices to motivate me and educate me in, in these areas. And I thought that was really interesting that that was my natural instinct was like, okay, I'm doing spiritually great right here, listening to these voices, love my pastor, love the word of God. But in order to like get motivated and stay motivated and grow in these things that I think are a part of being a man, I need to go to these secular voices and get motivated. And, and even, yeah, just even getting motivated, I had to go to secular voices, not just learning. And so when I'm saying that, I'm talking about, you know, go listening to Jocko and Jocko Willings podcast or Jordan Peterson or the whole slew of like, you know, man, that whole man sphere of podcasts of, of, of military Navy seal, um, you know, just all the guys that like Joe Rogan would interview. And then you kind of like go down the rabbit trail of following their, you know, Dr. Huberman or whatever, you know, these, these guys that kind of like, I feel like get found out on Joe Rogan and then you follow the rabbit trail down to their platform. And I would, that's where I was, that's where I felt like I needed to go in order to find practical and helpful wisdom in regards to the areas that I felt like were necessary or incumbent upon me to grow in as a Christian man. Cause you didn't feel like the church was offering that kind of support. Yeah. I mean, or that and, kind of truth that would motivate you in a practical way. That's right. I, I felt like any, any time, men were spoken to in general. And this is uh, clearly, I hope everybody understands I'm speaking in big time generalizations here. Like, cause I'm sure yeah. that there are, and in fact, I do know for a fact because of different churches that we've been able to get acquainted with that there are great vibrant men's programs that are building men up in very practical ways with, with great theological and biblical literacy as well. Well, yeah, and you're a part of one. Yeah, right that's now, what actually. I mean. It's like, it's like I know they exist because I've been able to find one, but it was, I felt like it was, it, it's not that easy to find. Do you want to tell them kind of, I mean, does this derail you if you tell them kind of what that program looks like and what makes it feel different? Sure. Because I think sometimes I think a lot of this conversation was like, okay, what, why do I feel a certain way when it comes to Christian voices speaking to masculinity? Why do I feel differently? When yeah. I hear these secular voices speaking to masculinity yeah. and how can I be a Christian voice speaking to masculinity, but with the empowerment that you feel 
when you listen to these other yeah. secular voices. Well, and honestly, I felt I was far less concerned with being a masculine voice as much as well, I was for with your sons. Yeah, for my sons, exactly. It's like yeah. I I don't I want to just glean from Christian masculine men, and I and I will say this, and this is kind of like a self almost like incriminating thing here, and that I feel like this is what I think anyways. So here we go. I think most like honorable Christian men have their head down and are serving their family well, and they're serving their communities well, and they're not building huge platforms for themselves so that you can find them online. Yeah. Does that make sense? I'm not saying that everybody that has a platform, like I said, this is self-incriminating because here I am like on my own podcast talking. Um, but that's something that's like, I definitely think about a lot. It's like, man, the men that I meet occasionally at family camps or they'll visit our church or I'll meet them, I'll bump into them at coffee shops and that are, to me, like living an inspirational life, they're not blogging about it and they're not yeah. <laughs> on Instagram sharing about it and they're not, you know, recording podcasts talking about it. And so it is harder to find them. Whereas I feel like in the secular space, that that is what those guys are doing. Like they are building huge platforms and they are growing an audience. Yeah, there are those those people that are sprinkled in throughout. But I think when you're looking for voices to look to, those men are probably looking for voices to look to too. Like, okay, so this is something that I think is interesting because we had a comment down below last week when we briefly touched on um, this topic hmm. and someone said, Oh, that's interesting that you think that you've heard about kind of a masculinity crisis your whole life. I've become familiar with this within the last year. Hmm. And by the way, we love when you guys comment down below. That's how <clears throat> this does become more of a conversation. We don't reply to all of your comments because we just have comments in lots of random places, but we do read them all and it helps us hear from your perspective. It gives us great ideas. And um, sometimes we'll reference them in later episodes or stuff like that. It helps us know what you guys are taking away from the podcast and also what um, your thoughts are. And and you guys expose us to a lot of new thoughts and ideas. So we really appreciate you guys doing that and hearing from your perspectives. But I thought it was interesting just kind of timeline wise, because I feel like feminism took over, got stronger, got stronger, got stronger. And then when we were growing up, it was at this stage where men are always wrong, no matter what, hmm. like you cannot be right. If you're a man, if a woman has a different opinion. And so with the whole woman is always right. The woman's always kind of the boss. We like, um, kind of overcorrected for some, maybe some weaknesses that were in society or, uh, that people took to be weaknesses in society. And then we started seeing, oh, that's causing problems. Like even as a secular society now, we're seeing, oh, women can be the abusers. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> women can be wrong. Women can lie. Women can manipulate. And um, all of a sudden we have these guys that are on the chopping block and it turns out the women around them are to blame. And so I feel like as a culture, culture's ready to start being like, okay, well, maybe we were missing something. Hmm. Maybe men can be sinners and maybe women can be sinners too. And I think that's where we've had this huge rise of voices like, you know, Jordan Peterson and, and um, what's the guy with the eyeball on his podcast? Oh yeah, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. Sure, sure. Like secular people listen to these guys 
because there's now a hunger and a need for this, like, oh, we've been suppressing masculinity and it's actually really appealing. It's appealing to women and it's appealing to men. And, and it's a God created design. And I think as a culture, we're realizing the void Sure. just within, you know, the last year or two, but then as a Christian man, that's feeling that it's like, what? who do you go to? Yeah. What do we do with this? Do you now? just start like, you know, knocking on doors and being like, Hey, can I be your friend? You know? I mean, that's kind of what I do. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> that is what Elisha's done. Uh, I cherry picked uh, the voices in his life. Okay. Tell him about one of them. Tell him about Bill's class that you go to. Sure. Yeah. That is helpful. And I, and I will say before I go into that, I do think it's, always so interesting as time goes by to look back at the generation you've been brought up in and that you're currently in. And you don't even realize at the time, the influences that it's having on your Christianity, on your theology, on your, on your view of God, just like a, you know, a fish doesn't know it's wet. There are many things about my upbringing that I didn't even realize at the time. And I, and I think I probably still don't now. And I, and I over, over time will realize like, Oh, I get it. Like, the, the type of vernacular we were using in our, you know, high school Bible study was not actually that helpful. You know, you go back to like the individualized uh, Christianity that I was, that was so normal, that, that was so affected by, I think, postmodernism, but you don't even realize it. And so you'd sit around in your Bible study and you'd read a verse and then the Bible study leader who had great intentions and was honorably, you know, like leading a Bible study would ask a question like, so Elisha, what does that verse mean to you? as though my, like, sub, like, how am I going to personally apply this to my life? And that's the most important interpretation is what I personally think it means to me versus the author's intent or what does God mean by this? Or what culturally did that mean in that time? Like, what is the objective meaning of it? And, and I think that there are so many of those things that you're starting to realize, I'm starting to realize now later that affected the way I viewed manliness that I viewed Christianity and it was kind of, and it really was like that. Well, pick your flavor. Like, are you going to be the rough and tumble manly man that's out hunting and, you know, adventuring in the woods or, you know, and he's got like dip in his lip, you know, and he's got like, like Keystone beer cans in the back of his truck. Or are you going to be the, the intellectual or the hipster, you know, the guy that enjoys the fine wine and, you know, sharp, sharp cheddar cheeses and listens to like old vinyl records. Like, which one are you going to be? And rather than realizing like, man, what does God have for men? And what is the godly standard? And I, and again, there's so many things that I know this is a scatterbrained episode, but going to the Proverbs as of late has been so enlightening to me as to what I think God wants men to be. I think that you can get so caught up being a, a right side of the Bible, so to speak, you know, a New Testament guy or a left side of the Bible, Old Testament guy. And of course we want all of God's, we want all of God's word. We want it all to impact our life because it's God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like the character of God is revealed throughout the entire scripture, not just in the gospel, not just in the Proverbs, the, you know, the wisdom literature, not just in the Old Testament stories, the whole of it is God's character in his heart showing itself to us. And if we only see part of that scripture, we miss out on 
another side of God's character. You know, you think of the New Testament, and I feel like we really do hyper-focus on the New Testament um, now, which is incredible because the gospel is so clearly laid out with Jesus is coming, but you have, you know, the meek and mild and lowly Jesus. And then on the flip side, you have the other side of God's character on the first half of the Bible that is terrible and, um, powerful and like full of wrath and justice and, you know, the judgment side of God. And, um, anyway, so I think even those things can really affect how we view, who's the ideal man, you know, if it's, it's Jesus, but Jesus is a part of a bigger picture in the Trinity. Yeah. Well, I even think that that's something that's kind of interesting to me is you think of Jesus and anytime people would want to point to an example of masculinity, be like, okay, well, let's look at Jesus. And so then you say, okay, is he meek and mild or is he the Jesus flipping the tables? And regardless of what your agenda was, you would point to that attribute of Jesus when he became man here on earth. You'd be like, see, he's meek and mild and passive and turns the other cheek and doesn't stand up for himself, but lets people run over the top of him. Or if if you if that was the agenda, you know, kind of like the whatever the term people use or like the beta male agenda, or it's like the alpha male agenda would be like, no, he was flipping tables and standing for righteousness and calling sin, sin and setting this high standard. But I think sometimes we fail to see that Jesus had a particular mission to him. Like he was God that came for a particular mission. That's not my mission. It's not anybody else's mission here on earth. Like my mission is not to save the world. My mission is not to be the lamb of God sacrificed for his bride. And so I think God has an entirely different mission for Christian men in the church. Do we look at Jesus as like the author and the finisher of our faith? Absolutely. We look to him, but we also need to realize too, that that three year like documented earthly ministry is one, like it's a very particular part of Jesus's life. Mm -hmm. And then two, do we believe that the rest of the Bible is Jesus's word? Because the, the Bible yeah. says that it is. It's God's word. It's it's all God's word. And so if Jesus said this when he was on earth, do we take that seriously? We absolutely do. But do we also take his word seriously when he said it back in Deuteronomy? Mm-hmm. And when he said it in Leviticus, is that Jesus talking? Because mm-hmm. the Bible says that it is. And mm-hmm. so we should probably look at it with as much reverence and look to it f- with as much of an example, for as much as, a, as an example as we do Jesus when he's on earth talking. So taking all that you've been kind of going more back to the Old Testament Yeah, I mean, as far as like practical steps for, again, going back to like, okay, having this desire to basically be told how to be a man. I think I, I, you know, it was like three or four months ago that I really was like Googling how to be a Christian man. What are people saying about this? You know, what are, what are pastors saying about it or theologians? And was, it was again, you know, coming up, I felt like short of clear direction. And then I just simply opened the Proverbs and it was so empowering to see God's wisdom on display here in such a practical way. And just a verse after verse, like I I wrote a bunch of them down, but literally it's, you can't even begin to just like all of them, all of the Proverbs are so good in regards to being a godly man, mm-hmm. to being a masculine man, to being a good leader, to being a good husband, to being a good church member, to being a good father. And it lays it out in such a way where I can read a chapter, I can read five, I can read whatever in the morning and I just put the book down. And I'm like, wow, I feel so much clarity on how to walk as a man 
right now, that a soft answer turns away wrath. You know, that like the, 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 the wicked man flees when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. And when it talks about wealth, when it talks about thinking of your children's children, it's like, oh man, like the wise man maketh himself strong. You know, the righteous man maketh himself strong. Okay, I want to be a strong man. In verse after verse that talk about the sluggard, you know, is going to be poor and come to destruction and how wine is a mocker and he that giveth himself to wine is going to come to destruction. There's these things that are, are not vague concepts. It's like, no, don't sleep in. It's like, no, don't give yourself to wine. Yeah. Don't give yourself to the strange woman. You know, like the straight, yeah, you know, you know where it's at. They know the corner that the strange woman's on go so far from it because she has brought so many men to destruction and yeah, that might mean a physical corner on a street, but I think more likely than not for us, it's like, no, I know the websites. Like I know the times of day. It's like, that's late. And that brings the man to destruction. Does that make sense? And, mm-hmm, and how to be mm-hmm. a father. It's like, man, the, the, the father that spareth the rod on his child, it says it hates his child. So the godly man, oh yeah, you're like freaking out about that. <laughs> like I'm just saying this is what the like, Bible says. Oh my word, don't here. say fraud. <laughs> yeah. But he that fails to discipline and instruct his child hates his child and his child is worse off for it. Also, the man that hates instruction is a fool and comes and comes to destruction. It's like men of God love instruction. They love being taught. They love being given wisdom. They love learning. They love finding knowledge and seeking it as hidden treasures. And I'm going to God's word and that's like, boy, I honestly don't feel like I need Joe Rogan anymore. <laughs> you know, I don't feel Praise like I Lord. need Jocko or, or whoever, whoever it is. When I go to the Proverbs and I'm like, wow, thank you, Lord. Your wisdom is so practical and so applicable every day. I know what it means. Does that make sense? Like, it's not like, mm-hmm. oh, I wonder what he means by this. It's I set it down and I know how I'm supposed to talk to my wife. I set down Proverbs and I know what I'm supposed to do when I am engaging in business that day. I know how I'm supposed to interact with, you know, my team members. I, I just do. It's so clear in the Proverbs. So that's been a huge blessing to me. And I, I just think that's where like men need to go. Yeah. Well, I think it was, it was an answer to prayer because we were talking about this, how a lot of these podcasts and stuff, there's just, there's a lot of language. Sometimes they can get more coarse. It's just when you go with the secular version of things, it's a mixed bag. It's not necessarily edifying. But then I would see the difference in Elisha with his zeal, his excitement for life, his desire to get up, his desire to conquer, his desire to protect and provide for our family, um, his desire to put himself last in our family and, you know, just like that chivalry and taking care of the kids. And, and so I was like, I see this as being a really good thing. These secular voices, yeah, right? Like, were making me be I that want way. you to wear your earbuds because I don't want to hear it in my house. Hmm. Uh, it's not like terrible, but it's like I. So what? What do you do? You know, because those were those practical things that were like, "Hey, grow up, buck up. Pain's good. Heart is good. Be a man." Yeah. You know, like. Yeah, that's crazy to hear it even from your perspective, <laughs> mm-hmm. because that's how I felt. Like I, I would feel the difference in me when I was listening to these secular voices, I was like, man, I do need to get up tomorrow and I've got to take the cold shower and I've got to whatever crush life, you know, and I got to be a better husband. And you noticed the difference. And, and the perplexing thing to me is how I could feel spiritually vibrant 
but not feel compelled or even convicted in those areas. Yeah, exactly. Like, to just like wake up late or not be um, as conscious about what you're putting in your body yes. or, you know, things that you weren't inspiring yourself by, you know, this is, I'm just saying what you would say. Yes. <laughs> so yes. This isn't like how I would describe you, but going through seasons like that, but it's like it, you would be listening to sermons and you'd be listening to pastors and like none of those people would inspire the change or inspire yes. the growth. And yes, you know, life here on earth isn't all about being healthy and excited about life or things like that. Sure. But you, you led our family, you lead our family so well when you know that you're leading yourself well. Mm. And we all feel the difference. We all thrive when you are thriving. And so, um, yeah, so it has been so cool to have you, you know, see all your references in your notebook, but have you, you know, every morning be like, okay, got to read these to you, you know, and you have like, you've been reading like 10 or 11 Proverbs a day, just like working through that book over and over. And you just have more and more and more references and you have so much life, so much vision for a family, uh, I feel like more than you've ever had. And um, it's really cool because it's coming from God's word. Yeah, that's exactly you know? right. Yeah, because that always no was... No strings attached. Because <laughs> I think I would read God's word in more of a general way and feel that con conviction to be like what you said. Uh, the conviction would come from God's word in regards to wanting to be a leader or you know a provider, a protector um, of my home. But then it, but then like the actual practical application would never really come. Yeah. It's more like just this head thing. Like, yeah. it's like well, I know those good are good things. things. Exactly. Yeah. I'm supposed to be that way, but maybe not like whatever, uh, you know, to, and then I'd, it'd be the whole, like to heat each his own or, well, it's probably going to look different for everyone. For this guy, it might mean playing video games. And for this guy, it might mean waking up at 4am and taking cold showers, but who's to say what's right or wrong. Right. Yeah. It's all kind of like what, what do you want to do? You know, yeah, we exactly. live in a culture where it's like you do you, it's yes. not hurting anybody Yes, kind of thing. But then you can clearly, you're clearly more inspired by one than the other. You just yes. are. And I think of that as a wife, I'm more inspired by one version of you than the other. Hmm. And usually it's when you're inspired by yourself, yes. by the actions you're taking. And I think that that is just a... Um, like confirmation of that's who you are in Christ. Yeah. And so you know what I mean? Like who you're, who you're created to be. Something that I've been really grateful for Katie and you is how I do feel like, especially over the last few months, you've, you've been willing. Cause again, as I've said, we're both really grateful that there is, seems to be a far more edifying uh, solution to <laughs> like wanting practical guidance, and masculinity. But mm -hmm. there was a time there where you saw the need for me to feel like a man, to feel like I was growing, to feel like a leader and to feel challenged. And you were willing to kind of let down some of your, um, I don't want to say, uh, maybe like some of your sensitivities or preferences, uh, preferences maybe, maybe um, if, for understanding the bigger picture. And, and like, let me explain, I should say, because I do think a issue perhaps in the church when it comes to masculinity and men's programs is that women are the gatekeeper of them. Like we, men's programs are the same thing as women's programs in the church by and large. Like if you go to a men's group, it's going to be a, pretty much the exact same as the women's group. And the standard is set 
As far as you're going to all sit around, you're going to all have a conversation. Yeah. You're all going to say, you know, what center are you dealing with in your life? Yes. There might be like more crying or hugs and laughs at the women's group, <laughs> but the setup in the concept is, is the same. Yeah. And I, and I think about this, even I, t- I told you just the, the, that polarization feeling that I had of going from, uh, the book club that I'm a part of and then going to a men's group after that church group, literally in the same day, it just so happened that they fell on the same day and the book club who is, is full of Christian men, but it, you know, we like met in a, we met like in a cigar lounge. I didn't smoke a cigar to honor Katie. Katie doesn't mm-hmm. kiss me for like a, a month after I smoke a cigar. And I think so, the last time you did was like three years ago. Yeah, that's I what like I mean. And you, and you didn't kiss me for, yeah, months after that. No. <laughs> um, but it was, a, it was like, it, it was the whole like, you know, stereotypical masculine environment. Like it was a cigar lounge. There's pictures of, um, of, um, uh, who's the famous cowboy actor? You know, like there's pictures of all these famous like John men. John Wayne. Ted, yeah, well, yeah, John Wayne, Teddy Roosevelt. It's like it's a le- leather couches. You it know, is really cool. There's scotch every. You know, there's scotch bottles on the wall. There, and and that's where we had the book club. And the book that we were going through was not Christian literature. It was an old old book that was full of violence and gore, and there was profanity in it. But there was profound. Where you know, are you going with to take this? Away from this? And I was like, wow. And and you even acknowledged that. Like we went there, we talked about it. And I came back. I was like, wow, that was really. I was like more equipped to be a man. I felt like after that time, right? And then I went straight to a men's Bible study and I came back just kind of like, well, that was painful, but we, but we're supposed to do that, you know? And are there things that we should do that are hard? Yes, absolutely. We should do things that are hard. And are there things that are pleasing to our flesh that are wrong? Absolutely. Dude, okay. I, was like, I feel like you need to mention that because like what you just <laughs> no, talked about. No, I'm not about- trying to validate like things that are just pleasing to the flesh, but not helpful. Yes. Yes. But I will say the contrast between the two was interesting to me and in that like you go to this men's group, we're like, wow, we all hate being here, but we're supposed to do it. And we're less motivated when we leave than we were when we came to go be good husbands, but we're checking a box. That's kind of the like sentiment I would get mm-hmm. from the group. Um, as a, as Whereas opposed like, to the when book you go club. to the book club, you guys are all Christians there, but you just feel pretty epic. when you're Yeah. There. You, you come away feeling like we are awesome. Like we read hard literature. We find the deeper meanings of life. And we, and we are better off for it. Right. Yeah. And of course, a lot of it is just silly silliness. Um, but nonetheless, I come back with a skip in my step and like ready to love you more. And Mm -hmm. I say that to say that I think you did give me space in that time to, you weren't worried. It's like, okay, is my husband just going to start, you know, drinking whiskey, smoking cigars and listening to profanity all the time and talking that way to feel like a man. I think you, you did trust well, I know what your standards are. Yeah. I know what your morals are and, you know. Yes, and I'm, I'm not, not saying concerned everybody has to that. go down that journey to find a, um, well, they don't have to because I just told you, read the Proverbs, right? No. Um, but I think that you saw that what was going to be good for me was not necessarily going to make you comfortable. Yeah, so I got convicted about, I, I was reading this book on marriage it's actually, it's the proper care and feeding of husbands by Dr. Laura. And she's, I, I gotta say, if you read this book, you'll probably be offended by her. Um, she's pretty on the nose and sassy a little bit. Um, but I was down in bed and I was reading this book and she said, a lot of women manipulate their husbands by saying, by using two words that are kind of trump cards. One is you hurt me by doing this. Or the other is 
I feel uncomfortable or I feel hurt or I feel uncomfortable. And I instantly realized in that moment, I really had been manipulating Elisha by what I felt comfortable by. And because if I say I feel uncomfortable, then he's not going to do it. And I do think that there are some masculine and feminine traits where in marriage, those uncomfortabilities that we notice for the other person actually are a, like a saving grace in our marriage. You know, Elisha will say, Hey, I feel uncomfortable when you wear that out in public. And I'm like, what? I don't see anything wrong with this. And so I honor his uncomfortabilities because he notices things as a man that I don't pay attention to as a woman. And in that same way, there are certain things that do make me feel uncomfortable um, to have in our home or whatever that I've made known to Elisha. And yep. he's been like, oh, you're right. I should probably be more sensitive in that area. Yes. Um, so we do have that. And I don't want this to be kind of a, oh, well, if your husband's making you uncomfortable, then don't approach him <laughs> because there are things that I think we should approach. But I'd gone too far. I'd really overstepped and had just started to feel like, like as women, we are more sensitive. We are more, and that's who we're created to be. We are the nurturers of our home. We're kind of like the watchdogs for our little children. And I think that men, like when you look back in scripture, you know, men are the one who, who men are the ones who are going to battle, who are actually in any generation, really up until our generation. Now, they're the ones seeing the gore. They're the ones handling the violence, handling um, just the weight of the burden of a lot of different heavy things. And now we live in a society where it's like, well, the women can handle the burden. The men can handle the burden. We all just <laughs> share and share alike. But I do think that God created this protection of men to actually be, um, a little more rougher or insensitive to certain things so that they can protect us from certain things. I think there's a little bit of callousness there that maybe our men have that we don't have that is healthy and God-given so that they can shield us from certain things. And so I say all that to say, I started to realize that I had kind of started to try to feminize Elisha by being like, well, I'm uncomfortable if you are reading a book with profanity in it, <laughs> or if you're listening to this podcast by this guy that inspires you, but there's profanity in it, or there's, you know, he tells a story and I just feel like it's a little, he's a little too graphic, you know, or something like that. Or this book, it's just like the violence is a little unnecessary. Um, you were reading a book. What was it? The one on David. Do you remember that David's oh, mighty men or something? Right. Yeah. And this was actually during a podcast interview. I looked up something on it and I read part of the book and I was just like, you read this? And I was so mad. We had to pause the episode. And I think we ended up finishing the recording two hours later at like 11 at night. But the point is, is it like triggered my sensitivities. Like I wouldn't choose to read that. I wouldn't choose to listen to that. It made me uncomfortable. But I started to realize just because it made me uncomfortable for myself didn't mean that my husband cannot make that decision for himself if it makes him uncomfortable or not. When it comes to anything sexual in our home, as far as, you know, watching or reading or listening, I feel like I have that trump card in our home. Like if it makes me uncomfortable in a movie that a certain girl's presenting a certain way and Elisha's like, it doesn't bother him at all. We turn off the movie because I'm uncomfortable. Hmm. So he honors me in that um, across the board. And I do get questions like that. So I just wanted to mention it. Like if your husband is viewing something that you're uncomfortable with sexually, 
I would say that. And um, I do think that's a really gracious way that um, Elisha honors me in just protecting my confidence as a woman and knowing that, you know, if, it, if it's just making me uncomfortable, that that affects him. And so anyways, there's that. But with other things, I've really let go hmm. and um, just allowed Elisha, just recognized that um, he's... I know where he is in standing before Christ and he is the leader of our home and things that make him feel uncomfortable. He answers to God for that, but I need to let go and just be like, you know what, if it, if it's not something that I would participate in or listen to or watch or whatever, that's irrelevant. I'm not the one doing it. And he, he's a man, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if I said that all right. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm so grateful with everything that you just said and it really has changed because what it's done is it's made me be responsible, which I think all men thrive when they are the one God holds them responsible for their home, for their decisions, for how they're leading their home, their, their household. But a lot of times we don't feel that responsibility because maybe we become passive and we're like, well, you know what? I'm not really going to make the decision for what type of media we're going to allow into our home. I'll let my wife decide. Or I don't, I, and, we, and we do that for numerous things, mm -hmm. for our finances, for our diet, for the media consumption. We say, well, it's whatever, you know, like I'll let my wife make those decisions. But we are the ones that are going to be held responsible and reviewed as the responsible one by God. So when Katie makes that overt, I treat that a lot more seriously does that make sense mm -hmm. when she's like, mm -hmm. no, this, this is your decision. Like, you know, you're going to answer to God. It's your conscience. And like you said, we have those things with anything that's sexual. That is in, in my mind, hundred percent, the woman's call. Like mm -hmm. if she's the one that's feeling uncomfortable or defrauded or, def uh, um, like that, that somebody's being, um, like objectified. Yeah, exactly. Then it's her prerogative as far as I'm concerned to voice that. And to have, and, and again, as, as men, it's, I don't know, you know, it's like, there takes so much, I tell you what, I'm so, you trust the Lord so much and it's inspirational because you, uh, trust you too. it's like, if men were to love their wives as Christ loved the church, if they were to cherish them, if they were to, to view them as the weaker vessel, not in, in a, in a, an unvaluable way, but no, I want to cherish this person. I want to protect this person. I want to nurture them and wash them in the word then do you think it would be very hard for a wife to honor her husband, to follow his leading? It wouldn't. And, and you're so inspirational, Katie, in that you trust God over me. Like you trust God despite my immaturities. And that has brought the most spiritual maturity in my life is when you say, you know what? I'm not going to make a big deal out of this. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to honor Elisha. And then over time, the Lord convicts me and then I think I do end up loving you better and cherishing you more and having higher standards in these areas. And so, yes, I, I, I again, backing up to the whole, I, I don't want to sound like a silly guy. It's like, yeah, you know, have violence and gore and crude behavior and cigars and, and alcohol in your home because that stuff's masculine and awesome. That's not what I'm saying. I think a lot of those things are immature, um, like uh, expressions of masculinity that, that men need to move beyond. Like when you look at the Proverbs, when you look at God's word, I don't think any of those things are praised or thought highly of in God's word. And so I'm saying that that was kind of a part of the journey that I was on. And Katie was patient enough to not freak out, but to realize, no, there are some things that I'm going to be uncomfortable 
in Elisha pursuing godly masculinity that I don't need to get up in arms about. And I think that that was a huge blessing to me. Yeah, and, and even, I mean, that's encouraging to hear you say. I just, I got kind of emotional because I do feel like you love me so well and I'm just so thankful for you. But I think, too, there is, there's random things like, um, yeah, like even your friendships. And I, I, I feel honored. I always feel honored and respected by how you communicate with um, friends about me or about our kids and things like that. But there are other times, too, where it's like like it's different if you're a girl in a room full of guys, you might get it, it might like trigger your sensitivities. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like not in a way where they're like talking wrongly about women or something, because that's not something that Elisha and your friends do. But like sometimes I'd like overhear a conversation and I'd hear like one of their friends tell a story or tell a joke. And I'm just like, I can't believe they said that or whatever, you know, and it didn't bother Elisha. And so there's just stuff like that that Mm. I just decided to not like freak out about. And what's cool is that I think my sensitivities have grown in being a father. When you view yourself as the sheep dog or the the guardian of your home, it becomes, at least I hope it does, and I think it's it's starting to become a lot more, uh, I'm taking that a lot more seriously. Like you said, the stuff that I am listening to and allowing into our home, like headphones on or not headphones on, it's like, I don't want my kids hearing this language. You know, I don't want my kids hearing these stories. And, and if that's the case, then like keep it out of your house. You know, you set the standard as, as the man, and it can be something that is truly honoring to God and to your wife and, and to your family. And, and just something else kind of as an interesting way to think about this, because you mentioned that, um, you know, if that the kind of the trump cards where this makes me uncomfortable or this makes me hurt. Feel hurt. Feel yeah. hurt. Yeah. Um, which aren't bad ways to lead into a conversation if you're leading out of a conversation. Oh, yeah, and, and I want to be... <laughs> There's healthy ways to use both those words, for sure. I knew when I read that... That you would abuse those words. Yeah, yeah, I'd abuse it. And, so and, and, I knew that. Yeah, and like you want you want them to mean something when you use them. <laughs> you want it to be, uh, to be accurate. Yeah. Um, but I think about how, just kind of going back to devotionals or men's groups and women's groups, if women feel uncomfortable with something in Christian literature, then it's out. Like, it's not questioned. I feel like you're like, okay, well, we have to honor the women. Let's get this out of there. And I think that's, that's good. Like, it's good to honor women in those things. On the flip side though, I feel like if men were to say, wow, I feel disrespected by this women's book, this women's book and the way they talk about men, you would be told to grow up and get over yourself. Right. The same, the same type of like, I guess, respect or honor is not shown at all towards towards men when it comes to what's written in Christian literature. Um, and so that's something that I just kind of find interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a side Just point. a side yeah. Anyways, so, think about that. So there was kind of this marriage for you of feeling inspirational, feeling masculine, also feeling built up in your faith. And you've seen, you've taken Leon with you to this father-son ministry. Yeah. And I think it was kind of the first time that you've seen... Yeah, what it could look like. Yeah, what it could look like. Yeah, and I think it sounds so simple, but then in experiencing it week after week, I have started to see the profound impact. And with anything of value, I think it's hard to see the, the, um, the, well, it's hard to see the true value in it instantly. Like we're so used to instant gratification, but I think most things of long lasting value, 
it, it's got to simmer for a bit. It takes time to really come to fruition and to see the payoff. And that's certainly the case, I think, even in this father-son ministry that I've been fortunate enough to be a part of north of here. Um, and I actually, I interviewed uh, the man that started doing this at his church, Bill Rapier. And so maybe we can link that episode below so that people can listen to that episode. You did find him on a Navy SEAL podcast. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> You're right. The Lord used it. in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, but yeah, Bill invited me to join their father's ministry, and then I started attending on a regular basis, and it's, and, you know, it's every Thursday night, and I go with Leon, and every once in a while, I'll bring Lewis, and Lewis will start to go as he gets older. Um, but seeing the impact it has on Leon and on me, when we do, you know, I'm going to do the air quotes, manly things in addition to studying the Bible, the, the confidence that Leon walks in and that I walk in is so profound. And, and I think that something that's unique about it is that it is unique to men. Like women don't do the things that we do at this Bible study. And even by saying that, like that, that doesn't happen in the 21st century in Christianity or secularism. It's like, there's not guys things and girls things. Like we all do the same things. And so I think it's empowering when you're a man and you do things that are specific to men. Cause I didn't realize how rarely I experienced that. The workplace is all convoluted. Like there isn't anything that's specific to men or women in the church, in the workplace, in the home. It's just all, like I said, to each his own. Like, well, you know. Like we'll congregate in gender specific groups, but, but what we're act- doing is not necessarily gender specific. Exactly. But like what you usually go do at this, I feel like the, the main program, right, is what? It's a variety of things. Yeah. And so again, you guys should listen to the episode because Bill is a pretty uh, awesome guy, but he, uh, I'm not going to give his bio- biography, but he's got a military background. Um, uh, he was a Navy SEAL, and he's just got all these skill sets, right, that are awesome, manly skills. And he's, again, out of the conviction of his heart, decided to pour into his local community and teaching and equipping men and their sons to do these practical things, you know. And so a common thing we do is jujitsu. So we go and he drills with the young men, and then the dads get a roll together, and, and Bill will roll with us, and he's a black belt. You know, he's like a third-degree black belt in jiu-jitsu, and so obviously he's got tons of expertise in that area. Um, and then we'll go cut firewood, you know, for a lady at the church that needs help. Or we'll go for a hike, but it's not just a hike. It's like we're going for a hike, and we're learning all the proper equipment to bring and how to start a fire out of nothing and how to build a shelter, you know, and how to— you know, like kill. practical ways to protect and provide your family. Yes. Like I think sometimes we say like protect and protect your family or whatever, and we're thinking like, okay, what media is coming into the home? What those are yes. really valuable things to do. But then, like actually, like you feel more like a protector when you come home. Yeah. Or how to change a tire. You know, uh, troubleshooting mechanical issues. Because like when you break down the side of the road, who's get, who should get out of the car and check? Yeah, the man should get out of the car on the cold, rainy night or on the baking hot day. It, the man needs to get out of the car and figure out what the issue is. I think that that's something that people will be like, yeah, amen. But then we don't equip ourselves to be that guy. You were to talk about first aid application. Um, you know, there's been a, hand, a couple of times where you and I have been. Um, We've been in some bad situations. Yeah, or I've been the first responder to, to a scene and I am useless. It's like I'm level headed, but then have nothing to offer. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of that accident that we were at. And, and that was a bad accident. Really we walk, we walk up to it car. and there's bloody, there's crying babies. There's bloody, like three bloody people. There's gashes, 
you know, three cars smashed up. And, and I'm like, I don't even like I am clueless on the first thing to do here. And I think that that's something that I want to be equipped in 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 responding to those situations for my own family and then also for the community and other people that I'm around. And so these are things that we're learning over time, slowly but surely at the father son ministry. And it's, it's not glamorous, you know, it's not like we're getting a cool badge on our, you know, uniform for doing these things, but we're coupling that with reading God's word. And it's so interesting to see how this is really shaping Leon's perspective of what it is to be a man and to be a Christian man. Cause Leon's now, viewing manhood through, okay, men protect women. And this is a way that we protect women. We learn these skills of self-defense or of providing and of shelter and of, you know, like I said, all the things I mentioned and men study God's word. And we, and those things are just kind of like this. It's not that one's different than the other or one's better than the other. It's like, this is all encompassing. And, And that's changed my perspective. I used to have this perspective of like, okay, some men are studious and they study God's words. Some men are practical and they like help people fix their, you know, you know, garbage disposal. And some people are heroic and they're on the front lines fighting the battle. And, and Bill's really just given this perspective of no Christian men are all of those things simultaneously. That's just who we are. And we build, build ourselves up in those areas. And that's what the expectation is for Christian men. And it's really been inspirational. And like I said, I didn't go once or twice or three times and then feel different but then you do that, maybe it's been roughly a year now-ish that I've gone, and it's like, oh, this is really changing me. This is changing Leon, and it's really inspirational. Well, you see, too, just in Leon, how he's so about all these cool things, right? He's all about his pocket knife and his arrows that he's whittling for his bow and arrow and his little setting little snares for animals, and, you know, it's like, stereotypical boy stuff he thinks is cool right now he has like gadgets hanging off everywhere and I think like that's what he thinks is cool and then if we were just putting him in like Sunday school or something like that then it's like okay well it it, it categorizes these two different things and and we have a lot of compartmentalization where our spiritual and our physical are so tightly intertwined um, for all of us. And it's so cool that he just, you know, he has all this adrenaline pumping, his little testosterone going, and he's just feeling good about just sweating in this stinky little shit with all these other guys. I had no desire to get anywhere close. (laughs) And then, you know, he's sitting there sweaty in his little gi and they're reading about the Bible and how, um, we're not reading about the Bible, yeah, we're reading, reading the Bible. The Bible. Yeah. And how to equip themselves, and he loves it. He just is so fired up, and it's a long meeting. It is. Like, I'm always shocked you guys get home so late. Yeah. And they're just sweaty, and they've studied God's Word, and they've they've done this thing that has equipped them in, in, in one way or another, and it's just so cool. I think it was... Like, Elisha was really excited about it, but I also knew he was just really excited to hang out with Bill. Yeah. And he's really excited about jujitsu, And, you know, so I kind of, like, it was a winning combination for him. Mm-hmm. But to see the difference in, in Leon, where I'm like, I'm so glad this is Leon's perspective mm. of Christian manhood. And, like, how can we keep that going forward? Like, yes. I want Lucy to have that with godly femininity. And it's not like we just study the Bible and then we equip ourselves to be productive and efficient and accomplished women 
that can, you know, manage a lot. Because um, uh, managing a home, managing outside of that, impacting our communities, I want her to see those two things coupled together. And um, yeah, it's just kind of been a fun exercise, I guess, for us to think of how how do we do that and seeing little bits and pieces of like, okay, it's kind of trial and error. Like this makes you feel a certain way. This yeah. makes me feel a certain way. Why does this rub us wrong when this happens? And I think a big part of this kind of breakdown is in our culture today, we live in a very comfortable culture. So it's rare, like, okay, you mentioned the car breaking down, but it's not like you're having to like build us a log cabin. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so you have to search out activities that um, equip you and make you more capable. Yeah. Because on a day-to-day basis, you could get by doing very minimal um, anything. Yeah. As a woman or as a man, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, like as far as, you know, defining features between men and women, it's like testosterone is like probably the key thing, right? Like it's, just, yeah. it's it's one of the key things. And yet culture does not induce more testosterone. And yeah. I should say there's society. No there's no testosterone. In fact, everything about it diminishes testosterone. Mm-hmm. Like you can be sedentary. You can eat the best food that, or the easiest food to access is junk food, mm-hmm. which is just tearing down your health and your testosterone. Like you have, I, I think of like, if I didn't purposely go pursue activities that build up testosterone or that build up my masculinity testosterone testosterone? Uh, what was i saying are you saying it with an m or an n testosterone 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 sure yeah i don't know sounding like colostrum or something okay yeah (laughs) um then i would live a very sedentary set in am i saying anything right (laughs) how do you say that word sedentary sedentary i don't know sedentary yeah, like I remember like, when we were, you're, you're young, you're like 26, we're in the apartment, and you're like, I just want to punch something. Like, I just, I feel the need to punch something. You didn't have these anger issues. No. You never had anger issues. But it was like, you have all this, like, energy built up, and you just need to go use it somehow. You're still pretty young at that stage, too. Yeah, know? and I think what's dangerous is that if you don't, then you do become less masculine. You become feminine when you in are not. In order to survive in our society. Yeah, and your and your testosterone levels do decrease, mm-hmm. and so you or you end up with anger issues, yeah, exactly. and aggression issues, yeah. and all this other these unhealthy um, ways of just expressing yourself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, we should probably wrap this up because I don't. I'm saying words I don't know how to pronounce, and so. Uh, <laughs> uh, really good like like I said, this is just a, a conversation we have three little boys yes and something that i really appreciate about my dad who who again i wanted to get to this point as far I as know. examples okay. go because my I, dad i have a little i have a little list okay. i didn't really go off your question well no it's okay yeah i gave katie questions to ask me she's failing at her job <laughs> no but i do want to say something about my dad really quick okay. because right. i do look at my dad as being a model example of masculinity Because when I hear the conversation around masculinity, it seems very polarizing. It's like, you know, don't have any grace for anybody. Be hard-nosed. Like, be loud. Be rambunctious. Be coarse. Be crude. Or the other alternative is the meek, mild Jesus, right? And those are kind of like polarizing 
perspectives on it. But I really do feel like my dad was a man that was, he was meek, he was mild, but boy, have I seen him over the years not back down to confronting anybody of any size that was in, in the wrong and that needed confronting. In a super gracious way. Sometimes, but also sometimes not. I mean, just for example, like my dad's a business owner. He's got like a bricks and mortar businesses. And one of them's right next to this, um, like it's next to a Greyhound bus stop, which would bring in some rough crowd because they'd be traveling between Seattle and Portland. And a lot of times they'd be off there. And, um, and like, I cannot count the number of times. It's beyond my ability to count. The number of times daddy would have to confront uh, various individuals, men that were one mistreating ladies in the area or vandalizing his, his businesses or harassing the employees at his businesses. Um, and he, again, this probably, he probably could get in legal trouble now for it because of how it, you're not able to do anything, but he would physically confront these guys, not hurt them, but he would put them in a headlock. He'd put them in and walk them out of his businesses. Really? Yeah. Time and time again. Serious? I'm dead serious. Yeah. Oh my and my dad is that. five. He's five, nine. And I don't know how much he doesn't. He's not he's a big a light, man. Light. Yeah. Man. He's a light, light man. <laughs> and he's meek. He's mild. But then when he and he, he, he talked about this in our interview, he's like, when you when you know you're in the right, you can have a lot of confidence and boldness. And I think that you can't know you're in the right unless you're in God's word and submitted to his calling. Because I think, as the Proverbs tells us, every man is right in their own eyes, you know, but like, of course, that's not always the case. We all are right in our own eyes, but that's not, that's not always the case. And so my dad's like, when you're confident in God's word and you know right from wrong, you're able to act with, uh, you're able to act decisively when it is your time to be to step up as that man and to confront somebody or to stand up for righteousness. And so I think there's a lot of encouragement to stand up right now and to be that man to confront people. But there's a lack with that. There's a lack of knowing right from wrong. And what is godliness? Maturity. Yeah, maturity. Anyway, so I just really wanted to praise my dad in that and not sound like, oh, I didn't have any you know masculine examples growing up. I think I did. But something that my dad would also kind of admit to is that he didn't see the need to proactively teach masculinity because it was something that was just innate to him, so to speak. He or grew was, up with his dad as a logger. Yeah. He right, grew up so. with this, and, and, I, and I don't think, and I think that's a common thing. I'll see very masculine men that are 40s, 50s, and 60s, and somehow they fail to pass that on to their children. You yeah. take it for granted. I think yeah. that happens. With, that can happen with our faith. That can happen with anything. You assume that because it came naturally for you, uh, maybe we don't realize, okay, what was actually a product, how are we actually a product of our environment and are our children being raised in that same environment? Yeah. Or is it totally different? And we yeah. lost the pieces that gave us that, um, that piece. Yeah, hope you enjoyed today's episode. Yeah, and I just feel like down below, give your opinions, give your comments. This is like an open conversation. It's something that we're really, I feel like we've talked to a lot of people about this and... We talk a lot about it amongst ourselves, and it's something that, it's like, are other people feeling this way too? Are they not? Where do you see the breakdown happening? Where do you see um, kind of this healthy regrowth of teaching masculinity to the next generation? And um, yeah, anyways, we'd be curious on your thoughts, for sure. All right, bye-bye.